You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Hi, welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Podcast is brought to you by SBN, Silverscreen, and Roll.com. Harrison, Christian, and the whole crew got you covered with all your Lakers coverage. You can check them out on Twitter at LakersSBN. If you want to follow me, I'm at JazzKang21. And joining me today, a guy who's a part of that aforementioned crew, a writer with Silverscreen and Roll, Alex Regla. Follow him online for everything Lakers, including some deep dive into the advanced stats. Uh, he's at Alex M. Regla. It's R-E-G-L-A. Alex, thanks for coming on today, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jazz. Thanks for having me on. All right, so the Lakers on a four-game winning streak after struggling so much to start the season. A lot of questions were being asked, of course, because it's the Lakers and everybody knows the, the they have a rabid fan base and wanted to know what was going wrong, but things have been looking pretty good over the last four. Uh, what do you attribute their success to so far? Uh, I think I think early on the season, people kind of expected them to struggle out of the gates, you know, with the, so much roster turnover, the young guys and implementing LeBron James into all that. It was kind of expected growing pains, and um, they weren't helped out with, like, such a tough schedule. I mean, I, I think uh, only four teams out of their first 12 or so were below 500 last season. So when you play that type of competition every night, uh, it, it's tough to, to get in a groove, especially when you're trying to learn each other's habits and, you know, find chemistry on the court, like on the go. Um, recently, they kind of had an easier schedule. You know, they played the Hawks, the Mavericks. Uh, the Kings, even though they're playing better this season, um, they're kind of taking advantage of those teams. And it seems like the roster is getting a little more balanced, you know, with the inclusion of Tyson Chandler. So kind of those areas of weakness, they've kind of addressed with, with Chandler, like boxing out and, you know, defending the interior. So I think that was a huge pickup for them. And it seems like it's put guys in their more natural roles and guys are just starting to, to come on now. Yeah, you mentioned Tyson Chandler. He's only been around for four games. Obviously, as I said, they've all been wins. But, um, you know, defensively, man, that, that the the team itself was taking a beatdown as soon as JaVale McGee came off the court because they had lost that rim protector when uh, Jonathan Williams was coming in the game. Uh, you know, you could see the, the team was giving up more. I think if you look at the advanced stats, uh, defensive rating for Jonathan Williams, 119. That means the team's given up 119 points per the t- per possession, per 100 possessions. Pardon me, he's on the court. You're comparing that with Tyson Chandler. Uh, he's sitting at 94 in meaningful minutes. Uh, how much did that help, especially getting to the second rotation with uh, Luke Walton's choice off the bench? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, Chandler and McGee are actually like so similar. They're, you know, stylistically, they're kind of the same player. I mean, Chandler's older, obviously, but they both kind of are the same archetype. They're both kind of rim runners, lob threats, you know, they protect the rim. So I think I, I would say in Chandler's favor, he's more of a, he, he boxes out a little more aggressively. You know, he, he knows where his man usually is. He knows where he needs to be in position to get that defensive rebound. And I think when whenever McGee would sit, the Lakers kind of miss that rim protection if it was either Jonathan Williams or, you know, when they experimented with Cal Kuzma at the five, you know, that that didn't work at yeah, all. And smart to kill that pretty quick. We saw what Aldridge was doing. To- <laughs> block there. You know, and, and you know, credit, credit to Luke Walton. You know, uh, he could have just stuck with it and said, you know what, we're, we're sticking with this. We're, we're going to let him, you know, take his bumps. But he realized it was not working and they kind of dashed that right away and put him in the starting lineup as back to his more natural power forward spot. So I, that, like I was saying earlier, Chandler kind of just puts guys back in their natural spots and it kind of gives that team in the first and second unit that same kind of that you know anchor in the paint where they you know if they get beat off the dribble they have that guy in the back line who can 
defend the rim or clean up mistakes like you know that that a uh, game saving block against Trey Young. I mean, Ingram kind of got beat at that point of attack, and then Chandler was back there to clean things up. So uh, yeah, I mean Chandler just he kind of it's it's funny that you know a 36 year old Tyson Chandler is kind of saving you know the early part of the season, but he's exactly what the Lakers needed. Yeah, that was a very, very smart signing. I mean, coming off the buyout, I know Chandler was saying he had an opportunity to sign with Golden State. Uh, big appeal for him coming home, obviously being from the area. And he's talked about how his family um, has, you know, pretty much a bunch of Lakers fans. So it, good to see him here and good to see the fact that they're actually um, not having such a big drop off when, when the bench rotations coming on. And that's one thing I wanted to touch on with you. Uh, big news from yesterday, other, side, other than the fact that LeBron was Superman going for 44, 10 and 9. <laughs> looking like a 24-year-old LeBron James at that point. But uh, Rajon Rondo, broken hand, out uh, four to six weeks, looking like at this point. How much is that going to hurt the Lakers statistically? I think um, if you look at their their bench guys coming in, um, do you think it's going to have a, a negative impact on on the team going forward with him out? Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of tough to say. I, they have, I have to see, you know, who, who they try to – who they use to fill that role. Uh, you know, Rondo, you know, he's kind of had an up-and-down season also. He's – He's helped win a couple of games for the Lakers where he just goes completely off, you know, like playoff Rondo again, especially against Portland in that, that previous game. Um, but on, on the season, you know, he's kind of been up and down and he kind of his, even though he's shooting better from three, he still has that spacing limitation and, you know, defenses can kind of crowd the paint with him on the floor. And when he's hesitant to shoot that three guys kind of just, the offense kind of collapses a bit in the half court. So I, if, if Ingram goes to the second unit and, you know, his starting minutes get kind of staggered and he goes and helps out at point guard, I can see maybe that being a benefit long-term, you know, getting Ingram more more uh, possessions on ball uh, posted with, with James on the floor. But um, it's tough to say. I think the team's going to miss his leadership in that second unit. If, you know, if nothing else, Rondo usually knows where guys need to be on the floor. He knows how to position guys, you know, call out plays. And I think the team's going to miss that to an extent. But um, statistically, I don't. I mean, I don't think the drop-offs could be that huge, depending on how they how they choose to fill that role. Like if Lance is slotted in that point guard spot and he does a little too much dribbling, you know, I could maybe see it, some issues that are caused there. But if you know, if Ingram or even guys from the G League like uh, Alex Caruso or you know, like my my personal favorite right now, Isaac Bonga, if he gets some playing time, <laughs> uh, I could. I you know, I would I would love to see a guy like that get a chance like like an Alex Caruso or uh, even Svee you know I, I might have some playing time here so if anything else maybe maybe it gives some guys some extra minutes that they didn't have before so I, I statistically I think they'll be okay I think I, I'm where they might be lacking is in that veteran leadership and where guys need to be so depending on how that goes I think they'll be okay yeah, Rondo, t- I mean, pardon me, Lonzo Ball talked about it. He said, you know, uh, how big of an impact. And a lot of the guys did after the Portland game. Uh, he w- They were talking about how Rondo's leadership and, you know, Tyson Chandler was on record saying, hey, Rondo was telling me, uh, you know, exactly where to go. The good mm-hmm. news about this type of injury is he's going to be around the team a lot of the time. And, you know, we're, we're talking about the backups, but I also think this is going to have a huge impact for Lonzo Ball. Um, watching that game against the Blazers, you know, and I think this is something Lakers fans get wrong. Like, yeah, Alonzo was pick number two, but his game isn't going to be out to go out there and score 25 points a game and, you know, completely take over on the offensive end. It's what he brings as a distributor. It's what he brings defensively. Um, Damian Lillard struggled against when Lonzo was guarding him yesterday. I think he was two of 11 or something from mm-hmm. the three-point line. And 
you know, p- people have this this weird expectation that Lonzo is going to be this, you know, o- offensive dynamo when that's just not his game. And, and you know what? He, he was only playing about 25, 26 minutes to start uh, last night. I think he played 32 against the Blazers. So, you know, he's obviously going to have an added uh, added pressure on him to kind of step up because he doesn't have a, a steady backup at this point. So I think it's going to be more of a, of a backup point guard by committee because guys like Ingram, guys like LeBron, um, they can handle the ball, you know, if Lonzo is not on the court. What are your thoughts on, on Lonzo's time so far, especially this season, having a great player like LeBron James next to him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I going into the season, people are really excited about what LeBron on the floor with Lonzo could, you know, provide for him. I mean, I think early on we've already seen how much more catch-and-shoot shots uh, Lonzo's gotten. He's got a lot more space on these attempts. But early on, it kind of, like with everyone in the young core, it looked like they were kind of finding their footing still with James, and they didn't know where to be where he wanted the ball, if they should defer, if they should, you know, run a set. So, but in the last few games, I've been really encouraged with how James and uh, Lonzo have played. They've been using Lonzo more as a screener with uh, James in pick and roll situations. And uh, Lonzo's been getting more involved in that sense. And he's been more active on the floor because of it. I think in times when, when LeBron's on the floor, guys kind of, you know, get caught just staring and kind of just standing and not, not moving without the ball. But, when you use the guy like Lonzo as a screener, it kind of gets him involved. It kind of forces him to get into the play and get engaged. And I think that's a big reason why recently he's been a lot better. And you can see that, like you mentioned, with his defense on Lillard last night. He was fantastic. Like you said, I think Lillard was uh, 2 for 11 when matched up with Lonzo last night. But he just does so much on the floor that even when he doesn't have the ball, he does so many little things that this team needs. Um, I think he had like four offensive rebounds in the first quarter alone yesterday you know, deflections, steals, you know, his assists. So I, I'm, I really, really love his fit next to LeBron, and I'm excited about his more minutes now with this Rondo injury, and we get to see more of it and see how those two can kind of build a chemistry here. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be something I want to keep my eye on too, because I think Lonzo has has a lot of uh, a lot of the traits you want to see from a guy who fits well with LeBron. I mean, I know a lot of people have talked about the fact that LeBron does best when when the floor is spaced and he's got shooters, especially in the corner um, where guys hit a lot of those open open jumpers when he when he finds them off a drive and uh, drive and kick. But um, with Lonzo, he's got this. I like the way he's shooting the three this year. Um, he hasn't been overly great, don't get me wrong, but he's also, you know, he's, he's having confidence and pulling the trigger when he needs to. And on top of that, he's great going backdoor. He, you can hit him on a lob, um, you know, through mm-hmm. over the top of the defense. So I, I think that's something where where Lonzo's going to have to, you know, uh, not not find his game, but kind of find his groove now, especially without Rondo. He should be playing 33, 34, 35 minutes. He's a young dude. No excuse why he shouldn't be. But um, I think another thing that helps too, by, by the way, his dad's been quiet for the most part of the <laughs> of the season, which which overall does help. But why why do you think Lonzo's been such a lightning rod with Lakers fans? Like, is it were the expectations too high coming into it? You, you know what? I I don't want to say they weren't familiar with his game, but I think a lot of fans were unaware of how Lonzo like impacts the game. Like I think they, they watch his highlight reels and they see like, you know, this guy shooting, you know, when UCLA, I mean, this guy was a feared shooter. Like he would pull up, um, you know, like well beyond the three point line and, and hit these threes at almost like a 40% clip. And he would take it to the rim. He all, you know, he would get so many backdoor cuts for alley oops. He just looked like a completely different player than what Laker fans are, have seen so far. And I think they in lost in that is, is everything else he adds to the, to the game that are kind of it's kind of subtle 
And if you're not really watching for these things, you can kind of just you can think he looks kind of lost out there or he's floating at times. But when you actually watch him play defense or rebound or pass, like he's just really good in a lot of areas, just not in the areas that are kind of that kind of pop. And like general fans, when they're watching, like he's not going to drop 30 on you. Like it's not his game, but he can help you win in so many different ways. And I think people were expecting a different type of player. And also, I, I don't, I'm not sure if he's been put in the ideal situations to his game. Like, like you mentioned, he's great as a backdoor cut guy, as a lob guy. And I think playing with LeBron's going to open up a lot of those UCLA, you know, traits he had. But I think we haven't seen it yet. And I think. He's been kind of put as like a almost just a glorified spot up shooter this season, but in, of late we've kind of seen more active Lonzo. More, to, you know, he's been taken to the rim lately. Although he kind of got blocked like three or four times last night. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it's the effort that counts, baby. It's the effort that it, counts. Exactly, exactly. You know, last year he probably wouldn't have taken any past that first attempt. Like if he got blocked on that first shot, he probably would have gone back in the rim at the rim the rest of the game. But last night he kept being aggressive. I think he had a pull up out of a pick and roll, which like. You know, all of Lakers Twitter kind of exploded about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I I think if if you're if you're expecting Lonzo to be a traditional Chris Paul Russell Westbrook type you know explosive point guard, is he that's not in his game. He doesn't have that type of impact, but he's going to help you win in so many other ways that I think it's kind of I I I think of late Laker fans have kind of rallied with Lonzo and want him to play more minutes, and I think. They're going to be – I think they should be excited about the type of player Alonzo is going to be in the future. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I love what he brings overall to the to the team, especially in the, in the one spot, you know, as the point guard. Uh, let, let him control the game a little bit. I'd like to see him have the ball in his hands a little bit more too. I know that's tough yeah. to say with, with a guy like LeBron, but, um, you know, I, I want to see Lonzo kind of dictating the offense or being the guy for the outlet pass so he can push the ball up the court and, and use his vision because he he was a phenomenal assist guy at uh, at UCLA and we're not yeah. we're not obviously seeing him distribute like that and that's the fit in the offense so far but um you know like I said this this next little while that Rondo's out uh, that's something I want to keep my eye on um is how Lonzo develops and how he reacts to being really the guy at the uh, at the point guard spot oh, you know for you uh, for if you guys don't know Alex uh, really does a lot of good good work on the advanced stats and and looking at the the numbers of the breakdown of the Lakers you know in your analysis and and what you picked up so far um who's one guy on the Lakers that you would say who's playing regular minutes who might not be uh adequate enough or shouldn't be out there right now oh um like if you if you look at just like the the pure like this is just basics but like the on off numbers and that starting lineup hasn't been that that great, um, and I know a lot of people are kind of you know turning on Brandon Ingram of late because of his shot selection and his kind of clunky fit next to uh, LeBron. But I I've kind of soured a little bit on Kyle Kuzma of late. Uh, not not really. you know he's he, you know he's been fantastic at cutting and finding you know finding getting himself positioned for lebron like if you i think lebron's like the t- most number of assists uh to a laker player this year is to kyle kuzma um but i i think on the defensive end he just he uh he's kind of a glaring weakness and a few game few games ago uh, he's been getting kind of picked on in isolation and kind of getting blown by and he's not alone like he's definitely not the only laker who gets blown by but i, I think he's kind of struggling when he does his shot is not falling like like when we talk about Lonzo or Ingram, like even if their shots not falling, they can affect the game in other ways. They can either pass, they can rebound, they could 
you know, do something else. But, like, Kuzma was kind of quiet last night. Like, when he's not, like, scorching hot and not, like, dropping 25, he kind of just disappears. And then on the defensive end, he's kind of just, like, a net negative. Like, I, I think with guys like Kuzma and guys like Hart, especially, like, if their shot is not falling, if they're not, you know, really compensating for their kind of poor defense, even though Hart's been, Hart's been actually pretty solid this year uh, on, def- on the defensive end. But I, I just think um, if there's going to be a switch in that starting lineup at some point, I would really love to see, like, Alonzo, Hart, Ingram, LeBron, uh, McGee lineup. Uh, and this is not, like, a, a slight. I just think his, his defense has kind of been an issue since he was a rookie and hasn't really gotten better. And, and he's not been put and put in the greatest situations. Like I mentioned earlier, they turn him out at the center spot, and that's just not – that's not fair to him. It's like, I don't, I don't know what they expect him to do there, but I, I kind of, I've not soured on him completely. Just, I, I think he needs to find other ways to impact the game when his shots not falling. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's weird. I've looked at the, you know, you're, you're watching the Lakers game and then, and then you end up looking at the box score. You're like, what? You know, Kuzma had 18 points or 22 points. And sometimes yeah. it's like, yeah, some of them are, are off the open shots, um, especially in the, in the corners on the offensive end or, or just on the wing there where, where LeBron seems to find him quite a bit. But uh, you're, you're right. You know, unless he's really engaged offensively, he almost isn't noticeable, which is not a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think teams need that. But he, he's also one of those guys who, like, if he's not scoring, um, you know, he's not really doing much else, at, you know, other than, other than doing that. His, his rebounds is less than five a game. His assists mm-hmm. is less than two a game. Um, mm-hmm. And he doesn't really bring those little things, whereas Josh Hart, you're like, yeah, Josh Hart is a beast, especially on the defensive end. Josh Hart gets yeah. after rebounds. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I think the only thing I disagree with you on there, I'd like to see him maybe bring Ingram off the bench. Reason being, I think Ingram is a better fit offensively when he is the guy with the ball in his hands. And I think with Lonzo and LeBron, if you go with those two starting, um, you can kind of stagger. It doesn't mean Ingram shouldn't be on the court at the end of the game, but just to start off, get him in the groove because he's a lot better when he's not forcing it. Uh, what I've seen from from Brandon Ingram, like there was a couple times yesterday he went in the post and he was being guarded by McCollum or Lillard, and he was able to you know take a couple of dribbles off, you know from the block in the post, get to the center of the key, turn around, do an easy jumper. It's a high percentage shot, even if he misses, so you can't get mad at him for that. But when he's taking shots, when he's forcing it and and taking too many dribbles or trying to be too aggressive on the drive, uh, I think that's taken away from his game. So maybe play him with the second unit, let him get a little bit more. Uh, in tune with the game and kind of get in sync. And then towards the end of the game, obviously you go with your best guys. Uh, we saw that with guys like Manu Ginobili. You saw that with Harden when he was on OKC. Like just because you're not starting doesn't mean you're not important. Do you think that's something Lakers might pursue or are you just absolutely against that idea? No, I mean, I'm not against it. And, you know, the numbers have shown that Ingram's scoring has been a lot better when he's not been on the floor with LeBron this season. So, like, I'm, I'm sure the Lakers are aware of that at the moment it's kind of a clunky fit. And um, I would, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I just, I'm not sure Kuzma is, I mean, beside, beside the obvious, like he's just fantastic and like cutting, like when LeBron has the ball in the, like in the high post or on the wing, Kuzma is just like constantly cutting and he keeps getting these easy layups and Ingram doesn't really do that. You know, like he doesn't either if it's not schematically put in or if he's just not personally uh, aggressively cutting, I, I, I can see Ingram in a second unit where the offense kind of runs through him. He can get a little more control and kind of get in the groove easier that way, uh, opposed to just kind of standing around and waiting for LeBron to, you know, create for him. Um, I mean, I don't, I, the one thing that I think the team would miss if the Ingram went to the bench, I think his defense has been really, really underrated this season. 
like he's been he's been put been put on a lot of the uh, positions best players like he's been against uh, Luka Doncic, Jimmy Butler, he's guarded CJ McCollum both times uh, all three times Portland's played them and his numbers have been really good against these players and I think that starting group of Hart, Kuzma, LeBron I I I just not sure if that defense holds up. Uh I, I think their offense is going to be great, but I just I'm not sure about the defensive side. Um, but I, I, I'm not opposed to Ingram going off the bench. I just think that t- that starting group needs his defense on the opposition's uh, better players. Yeah, because we know LeBron right now is a little bit in coast mode, especially on the defensive yeah, exactly. end. It's, it's still too early. He's been around since you know the 2003 season. He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he, he knows what he's doing. And I found yesterday it was it was cool to see in that win against Portland that he yeah. was uh, defensively engaged. And, and I thought that really uh, trickled down trickled down to the other players, especially the young guys, um, you know, when he had a couple of blocks there and, and, you know, he was getting to the hoop and he was just aggressive. He was mean LeBron yesterday. And, and yeah. you, you, want, you want to see that from him because I think the young guys are going to be able to feed off that energy going forward. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about how the Lakers are, are, they were struggling. They won four in a row, six to seven overall. Um, surprising to look at. They're only two games out of the out of second place in the Western Conference. <laughs> they're only they're only two games behind Portland. Um, I don't think we have any any uh, illusions that they're going to catch Golden State or be on Golden State's level pending the Warriors stay healthy. But when you look at the at the at the Lakers right now, what do you think is the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for this team? Just looking at the numbers, uh, like as in uh, standings wise, or yeah, just overall, like the best result for the Lakers in the season and the, and the worst case scenario with, with how things oh. go for them. I mean, minus injuries, just keeping everything f- focused on the court. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they could easily be a like a top four, five team in the West. You know, barring any injuries, I, I I'm not sure the West is as good as people are kind of assuming it is. Like, the, usually people just assume the Western Conference is you know this juggernaut, but it's real. Like you mentioned, there's only two games out of like. The, two, the second or third spot after like a really poor two and five start, like no one's really running away in the West besides, you know, the Warriors and no one's expecting the Lakers to catch the Warriors, but Houston's been really bad. You know, uh, Denver struggled after a hot start. The Lakers have beat Portland twice already and they're the number two seed. So I, I think the Lakers, you know, once they, you know, everyone starts to get their groove and meshes with LeBron, I, I can see them getting in that four or five spot I mean, the only, you know, the worst case scenario is they don't make the playoffs. I, I just can't, I can't see it happening except if LeBron gets injured or if there's some type of suspensions or I'm not sure. Like, I don't, I'm not sure why they, they would miss the playoffs. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think the West is good enough for them to be fearful of, of the Clippers or of the Timberwolves or someone like that sneaking in. So I, I think they're in a good spot. I think they've kind of weathered the storm of this rough patch and, their schedule gets a lot easier in these next 10 games. Like they face Orlando, Cleveland, they get some pretty good games here. They can kind of build their lead and kind of get back in that four or five spot. Yeah, I mean they got they got the back to back this weekend in Florida, Orlando on Saturday, Miami on Sunday, uh, Cleveland. Who uh, Tristan Thompson said the 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 championship run still goes through Cleveland. Uh, I don't know what he how delusional he was when he thought that they would still be good without LeBron. But um, you, you know, obviously Utah has been struggling a bit. That's their first yeah. home game coming up on Thanksgiving, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, and then you got Orlando again. Yeah, there's really no excuse why this team shouldn't win at least, you know, five of the next six games or, or even all six. I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but yeah. um, talent-wise, you know, th- there really is no more excuses uh, going forward. It's like once you get to the 20-game mark, 
all right, you know what? The team knows what it is now. And that's where the good teams start separating themselves from the bad squads. Right. And like you were mentioning, um, you know, people have this pre it's a, it's a notion that the West is, is good because the West has been stacked for so many years now, the better part of 15, 20 years. But I mean, if you're looking at that, it's like, yeah, you got the Warriors and then that two seed really is, is wide open. I mean, people were yeah. expecting uh, Houston to go in. Uh, the Rockets are struggling mightily right now mm-hmm. um, with all the changes they went through in the offseason. They're sitting out of a playoff spot. Um, you know, Portland, Denver, OKC, if they get their, their groove going. I mean, the Lakers, really no excuse, should be a two or three seed at the end of the year. Whereas you're looking at... Uh, you're looking at the Eastern Conference. I think it's a lot more top-heavy. Raptors, Bucks, Celtics, uh, 76ers now with Jimmy Butler once they get going. Um, the, it's going to be interesting to, to see how the whole playoff thing shakes out. Um, but for the Lakers, I, I think the biggest key going forward now is, is going to be the defensive end. Um, they, were, they were sitting as a bottom-five team uh, a lot of the time before Chandler got here. Uh, they've, they've upped their game now. They're only giving up 115 points. Um, how, how important do you think the defensive end? I mean, I know you mentioned Brandon Ingram and what he does, but how important is defense going to be this, to this team going forward? I, I think it's like it's the most important thing with this team. I mean, I, especially since how much they want to get out and run. Like it's, I mean, I know they can get out and run even if the other team scores, but it's just so much easier to get, off, get out and running off live rebounds and live misses. Um, they've just been getting scorched at the point of attack in the beginning of the season. And I think if they can kind of shore things up, and I think Chandler's just been so huge in doing this in that second unit, that if their defense is league average at best, I think their offense is going to be, you know, top 10 at the, by the end of the year. Because just with LeBron James' presence on that team, he's, you're going to get a certain number of free throws, you're going to get a certain number of open threes when you have LeBron James on your team, your offense is almost designated top 10. You know, you're just going to have more opportunities than other teams are going to have strictly from that level of gravity he creates. So I think if their defense could just be league average or just not cost them games, I think they'll be, they'll be fine. I, I, I think their defense has shown that it could actually be pretty good. I think last time I checked since, you know, Ingram came off suspension, they were fifth or fifth or eighth in defensive rating since then. And compared to when they were 25th in defense rating prior to that, so I think they're starting to figure things out. I think their rotations, especially, have been better. I don't, I don't, they're even though they're giving up some open threes, that that gets kind of short up later in the game. Like Portland was storing them from three last night in that first quarter, and then it cooled off drastically once the Lakers kind of made some rotations. Lonzo kind of started chasing Damian Lillard around, and I think I think the team is kind of figuring out that everything is going to start with the defensive end, and if they can, you know make it a priority to make sure that is short up and good that I think they'll be fine. Right. Cause I, I think when they're, when they're engaged defensively, like they were, you know, for about the two last two and a half quarters of that game against the Blazers, um, that's what pushes their offense. And, and I, I don't like the way the Lakers, especially when they're setting up in the half court set, they're running on. Yeah. Again, in the game against Portland uh, in that win, the last game, they, they did run a lot of high screens. I noticed, or, or a mm-hmm. lot of double screens, um, but when they're, and, and they get a little bit stagnant when, when they're in that, uh, offensive set. So I, I don't know. I think Luke will ultimately make some adjustments to see kind of what's working and what's not, because to me, the, the, the way the team is able to push the ball and get open threes out of that. And, and just the, the, the fluency of the offense is so much better when they're running in the fast break. For sure. Like, like you mentioned, their half court offense is pretty ugly at times. Like, you know, I mean, if if you if I'm sure the game plan for their opponents is make them face a set defense every possession because, again, like they're still learning each other's tendencies. The game plan doesn't seem like it's fully put in yet, or it's just not 
advanced enough at this stage. Like, they're really predictable to defend on in the half court. Like you said, it's either a high screen for LeBron or some type of initial, you know, floppy action on the weak side or something going on. And then once that gets rejected, it's kind of ISO post up for Ingram, ISO post up for LeBron, and just repeat. And But when they're out in transition, they're just a force. But LeBron, they have so many creators on the floor that when they can get out and run, they just, they're devastating. And I think yeah, that, that's what. Is, that's what that's what we want to see, man. You know what? I don't care if they win one forty, one forty, one thirty-five all game. Just, just <laughs> every game, just push the ball, push the ball, push the ball, because that's yeah. where that's where. And they got a lot of athletes, like you said. I mean, Kuzma, Ingram, these guys mm-hmm. are sitting at six eight, six nine. You know, they're they're long. They they kind of have a good athletic build. They're able they're they're able to get up. Um, and and that's where that's where the Lakers' bread and butter is going to be. Uh, uh, and that's where they the way the game has changed. It's like uh, you know I've seen people talk about mellow. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, um, you know, the last little while, like, is he a fit with the Lakers? Is he not? Uh, I don't think he's a fit for anybody in the league because <laughs> the game had just passed him by. And it's not a bad thing. He had a great career uh, when the game was different, right? Um, it's like you're not yeah. going to have a traditional post player anymore. Obviously, if a guy like Shaq came in, they would have to reinvent the wheel um, and, and start playing a slower game. But, um, you know, with the way the game is played, like Melo, the iso ball and slowing it down and trying to create through the post, it doesn't work anymore, and, and that's where the Lakers' bread and butter is going to be. And, and when they're engaged defensively, man, are they able to get some easy buckets, and, and the team looks so much better. You're right. Like you said, like those, those post-ups, those isolations are just really not efficient anymore. And it really it messes up your defense because those, those possessions often lead to a miss, and then the other team gets out, gets out and run. But if you're, if you're on the run, run every possession, you're taking to the rim every possession, you're either going to get fouled, you're going to get a good percentage of look at the rim, you're going to lessen the chance for the other team to be able to get out and run. So when you're you're taking these tough contested fadeaways or, you know, long twos, it just creates easy opportunities for your opponents to get out and run that way. So you just have to be efficient and, and realize, you know, figure out what your strengths are. And like you said, the Lakers' strengths are running. They have guys who are 6'6", six, 6'9", six, six, all over the team. They Everyone could grab a rebound and start the break on their own from Lance to Rondo to Lonzo to Ingram, everyone. So they really, they've kind of exploited that early on and they've kind of uh, drifted off from that a bit uh, lately, but I think their defense has kind of helped balance things out. And if they can defend and get out on the run, they're, they're really tough for teams. Yeah, I don't want to hear it no more. If you're a Lakers fan listening to this and you're saying, well, you know, why not give Carmelo a chance? Stop. Stop it right now. Okay? <laughs> he's not going to fit in. He hasn't been a fit with the last couple of teams he's been on. It's over. The Carmelo Anthony run is done. Unless he wants to sign with a team like Brooklyn or Cleveland or go back to Atlanta who bought him out before he even suited <laughs> up. Atlanta, um, yeah. You know what? Let, let, let him go. Uh, Alex, I'll get you out of here on this, man. Um, the whole Kevin Durant, Draymond Green thing has been blown up. To me, you know what? This stuff happens in a team game year in and year out. You don't you don't see it all the time because it isn't as public. Um, if KD does go into free agency and does decide to leave uh, the Bay, do you see him like leaning towards coming to the Lakers? Oh, I mean, I mean that that'd be like the dream, you know? Like a LeBron Durant team up would be great. I I honestly have no idea. Like I I mean, it's like try to figure out what goes on in Durant's head is like is impossible at this moment. Uh. I, I burn our Twitter I, accounts. That's it. Yeah, right? exactly. Like it, depends. <laughs> it depends on which Twitter account you're reading. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's a possibility. Like, I don't think it's like there's a 0% chance he's considering the Lakers. I'm sure he's considering a few teams. I'm sure the Lakers are one of them. Um, I, I guess like if you're a Lakers fan, you just kind of hope and pray that this Draymond thing is a bigger thing than it actually is. And 
maybe something boils over for the rest of the season or they struggle in the playoffs for whatever reason. Like I'm not, I'm not predicting they will. I'm sure they're going to win another championship. I think it, it might be a situation with like LeBron where he has his own personal motives and his own goals that he wants to achieve outside of, you know, playing with the Warriors and maybe going to a team like New York or in LA, he can kind of get back to having his own individual team again. So I, I definitely think there's a chance. I'm, I'm just, I think there's a lot of variables in playing. Like like I said, it's just Kevin Durant's probably one of the hardest players to read in the league. So it, it's almost just you got to wait to July 1st and see what he does. Yeah, that, that's going to be something to keep an eye on all year. And I, you know what? I think that's what makes the NBA awesome. Uh, everybody knows, barring catastrophe, the Warriors are winning the championship. <laughs> yet yet uh, viewership is up. Ratings are up all the way around. And um, you know what? The NBA, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving, especially in the offseason now. So it's been, uh, it's been cool to see. Uh, Alex, thanks a lot for taking the time out to come on and do this, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on again. All right, that's Alex Regla. You can catch him on Twitter at Alex M. Regla, R-E-G-L-A. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at JazzKang21. Don't forget to subscribe to the pod on iTunes. And if you ain't an iPhone user, totally understand. You can listen to all our podcasts at SilverScreenAndRoll.com. Don't forget to check out the website as well. Harrison Christian and the aforementioned Alex. Everybody's got you covered. Daily Lakers content updated daily. I'll catch you all next week.